Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Yo, what up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Kill the Mockingbirds. I'm your host, Sean Chris, alongside with me, Joel Thomas. What's up, man? What's up, man? You know how we do it, man. You got that West Side Gun little uh, uh, ad libs going on. Right there. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> Get a little action in there, yeah. Yeah, I want to start it off real quick, like a little serious for a second. Like, uh, one of my good homies just passed away. My homie David Lopez, uh, Space, aka Space. Uh, he was a cool dude, you know. Like, we kind of lost uh, contact for a little bit. He's going through his own demons. I just want to give him a shout out and shit, you know. Uh, he's in God's hands now, and you know, hey, prosper for his kids and everything else. Absolutely, around man. R.I.P. R.I.P. But man, you're about to go. Like, let's switch speed so we don't get too low a little bit, you know. Uh, Rest in peace for sure. But what about uh, uh, where you're about to head, man? You're about you're about to go on a little yeah, journey. I'm uh, I'm headed to Utah, uh, shooting a new documentary with Legion of Legends, uh, with Tony Merkel from the Confessionals, um, his brother Jack, uh, Christian Roper, who's done extensive work with a lot of companies as far as um, acting and uh, documentaries, and uh, Ward Heine, who works for uh, a company now that does a lot of um, video work and he's just a great videographer he actually shoots my music videos too and uh, he shot most of the last documentary he and Christian did and Christian edited it so it's gonna be pretty wild man we're going out to uh, going to hunt skinwalkers it's gonna be wild so yeah man we're uh, we're going to uh, a ranch that butts up to skinwalker ranch and we're going to be on the premises for several days and nights uh camping out there and a lot of weird stuff's already been happening this past week leading up to it so it's going to get wild man i mean there's a lot of activity going on there right now so the guy that owns the property has been letting us know that hey it's picked up it's almost like they know so i'm pretty excited uh, if anybody doesn't know, I'm part of a group called Legion of Legends. Our first documentary was Expedition Dogman, where we went deep into the Daniel Boone National Forest hunting down Dogman. It's on YouTube right now. Uh, I think it's closing on like 180,000 views. And uh, it's done really, really well for our first documentary. And this one's going to be even bigger. So we're really excited about it. I'll also be scoring the soundtrack for the documentary that's coming up too so i'll be hard at work this summer putting that together so it's gonna be dope that is gonna be dope man because that dog man was sick too and like you you definitely should check that out if you have it because there's some like uh interesting things that happen 
uh, along your way of your journey. So, you know me, I was already saying this one's probably going to be even crazier, man. You know what I mean? Like, especially now that it seems like it's already active right now. You and I have talked off air, but I'm not even going to let anybody know that right now because I'm sure it's going to be part of the documentary. But there's been activity going deep shit on the property and around the property. A lot of people don't understand uh, that area of Utah. People think about Skinwalker Ranch, but there's so many other ranches that there has been some documentaries done of some of the other ranches, and there's so much UFO and paranormal activity just in that area, not just at uh, Sherman Ranch. So there's a lot going on around there. So it's it's difficult to tell. It's kind of like the document, the Dogman documentary. We went there hunting Dogman. We don't really know what we found. So at the end of the day, it could be very similar to that. You go in looking for something and you end up finding something else, which t- it tends to happen with these type of things. Uh, we're very open-minded, and I, I'm in the strong belief if you believe in these activities and these things happening, um, they know that. So they reveal themselves more than someone that's skeptical, right? Now, now get it. Don't get me wrong. There's been people that were skeptical that got woke up. So it happens too. But I think that when you're open-minded and you're a free thinker, I think you know that there's a world beyond the world that we walk. I think it attracts to you. You know what I mean? Like it comes, like, I think that's better. Like the way to put it is that it, you, those instances are now like you're a magnet for it because you're looking for it in a sense. Like, yeah, like you said, it can still jump out in front of you. But the Skinwalker Ranch is crazy, like you said, because uh, nobody really, the things that are happening, it's like, it's hard. It's like, if anybody's seeing anything about it, it's hard to say what is happening. And when you guys go there, who knows? Like, people say, is it paranormal? Like, is it like, you know, some kind of ghost? Or is it, is it hauntings? Is it an uh, entity? Is it, uh, you know, aliens? Like, there's, it's wide open. That's why I think it's such an interesting place for you guys to go. And I think you guys will be the perfect fit because you got the quality you know me, I love quality. <laughs> you guys got the quality of people, quality of crew, and then plus a great story. And I, I love dog, man. So I was like, man, this one's going to be even greater, man. Like, I, that's how I see it. Man, I just can't wait till it's done so I could see. Well, I'll get some a little, at least I can have a couple of uh, private conversations and we can. Be for like, oh, sure. And then, and then everybody else can wait. No, for sure, man. <laughs> uh, right. We're building something special with Legion of Legends. I, I feel that, you know, we, we came together in a weird way, which I've talked about on several other podcasts, but we came together in a weird way. It wasn't supposed to happen the way it did. Even the people that were involved weren't necessarily supposed to be involved. Mainly myself was kind of a a last addition to the team and everybody just clicked. Everybody ended up really connecting and and working well together. So I'm excited to see where it's going to go. It's, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm excited now. I can't wait. So definitely check out that dog man if you guys haven't expedition dog man. Uh, what is it on Tony? Uh, uh, yeah, the go to uh, youtube.com slash the confessionals and it'll pop up his site. Uh, he's got over 30,000 followers. Uh, again, it'll be the, the top uh, video that he's got out uh, closing in on 180,000 views. So it's it's real good. Um, you know, props to the guys that put it together that were able to edit it. And, you know, they're a part of it too, which is wild. Like our camera guys and, uh, you know, yeah, no, they're not, they're a part of the team. So everybody that's there is a part of this, which is unique. You don't see that a lot of times the camera guys being involved, which is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely gives a little flavor. 
but we got some cooking up today, man. Like, like we we got into our little uh, mindset, and we've been noticing that you know there's different conspiracies in the world and things that are not talked about as much. And we thought we would start digging. You know, we digged with a little bit of Hollow Earth. You know, uh, Denver Airport. Now we're going into uh before we start getting guests, we wanted to season you guys. You know, we wanted to get everything kind of like ready. So I thought we should, uh, and me and you talked about it, and we were like, we should get into the Michael Jordan no. conspiracies. I don't think it's uh, been talked to a lot. Yeah, he's the the GOAT right there, you know what I mean? So I think we should get into that real quick. I'm Which down, brother. There's so much mystery around Michael Jordan. Uh, really a lot of basketball players, and you know we'll probably spawn off on conversation as we go through this, but you know when you talk about the entertainment world and you talk about sports, because they are a part of the entertainment world, and I don't think people think of them as actors, but they're in the same vein. You know, they might be competitive and they've, you know, got a different skill set than some of these uh, quote unquote real actors like your Brad Pitts and Tom Cruise's. But these guys act as well. And there's things that go on behind the scenes when you look at music, when you look at, you know, acting and sports, it's all intertwined. It's entertainment. So entertainment's got to be controllable in some way, and I think Jordan was the was the first mega star in basketball. Like you had some big stars before him, but when he came along, he broke the mold because he became a global icon. And I think that's when the NBA yeah. became a global fascination because it really wasn't until Michael Jordan blew up, and then it was like. You know, I remember being a kid and watching like cartoons with Michael Jordan, like Michael Jordan cartoons. I remember there was a cartoon with him, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky, and Bo Jackson, and Bo Jackson. man. <laughs> I used to love that cartoon. I used to get up early in the morning and go watch yeah, that cartoon. Um, but it again, like he was in everything, man. Like there was so much. He was so marketable. Sure. And you have to understand when somebody's that marketable, there's got to be some something, you know, controlling force behind it he it was like michael was just running around doing whatever he wanted to do either it's just not possible in a sense though in some sense so it's, since we go on there let we might as well just go dive deep Like you were kind of, I liked how you like kind of laid it out for everybody. Like, yeah, Jordan was an icon. He was a, a global icon. He kind of like took over the reins from like Bird of Magic, you know, like Bird of Magic kind of set the foundation of bringing, because the NBA was dying. Like if anybody hasn't seen the series Winning Times on HBO Max, that's a pretty good, hey, they're not paying me. I'm just saying it. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, but if they like, want to, I wouldn't, I was, you know, we'll work something out. But if you watch that, like it kind of uh, explains for anybody that's not really into basketball, you know. Magic and Bird were the revitalization of the NBA because the NBA was starting to die. Like people weren't paying attention to it as much. It wasn't as exciting. The game kind of got boring. People scored the same way. The offense, nobody was being innovative. And when Magic and uh, 
unfortunately where he fell, like they were in a spot where they were being innovative and they you'd have used him in an innovative way. And then Bird was kind of like the throwback to the, like the old, like old guard, you know? And then Jordan came and it totally changed. It, it, it got into like, like you said, like, yeah, Bird and Magic were huge, right? In America. And like some people kind of knew him around the world, but Jordan, like you can go right now. People know who the hell Jordan is. And then he jumped on Nike before anybody else. And he rode that wave with Nike because Nike wasn't shit either. You know what I mean? And and we right. see this image of people like you were saying. And I think people think like, oh, you know, he's a good dude. Like, you know, like he, he's all about this and that. Because, you know, you see him. He seems like he doesn't maybe curse or like anything like that. He just the image you you've been painted. But when you start hearing interviews now, people are like, oh, man, he was an asshole. You know, he was a big gambler. Uh, he was a partier, you know, like not saying that that makes you bad or anything, but I think that what he was really trying to do was uh, be the greatest. But at the same time, it seems like there's something behind it, as you said, like something that helped him or, or maybe destined because of what he may have done. And to jump in real quick, like some of the little early, like, like, like little, uh, what's it called? Shallow end conspiracies. Like, you know what I mean? We'll get into the shallow. You right. know, we don't want to jive right in there. We don't want to cannonball into it. But they were talking about how he was so competitive that when he was the GM of Wizards, that he was trying to sabotage other teams. And one of the right. uh, things that was brought to the attention is Rip Hamilton was on the Wizards and he was an up and coming player. And at that time, I remember when he came right? in too. And, and you know, he, he had a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. And then you saw Kobe win three championships in a row. And, and what people were saying is that the reason Jordan traded Hamilton. For Stackhouse, like, don't get me wrong. I liked Stackhouse when he was with Iverson and a little bit in Philly. Stack was on the he, Stack was down. on the downturn by that point. He wasn't even he wasn't the Stackhouse that you knew when he first came definitely to the by any stretch. by any. He he wasn't. He probably had maybe a couple decent years left. He had that one good year sure. when he first went to the Wizards. Um, when he first went to the Wizards, but you know, sending Rip over, um to Detroit man was insane because that they they had the perfect uh perfect combination of players that could take out the Lake Show because the Lake Show if you don't remember that year they picked up Gary Payton they picked up Carmelo yep. they were loaded everybody just knew that they were going to win it all because you got to think Carmelo struggled all those years in Utah with Stockton and it could never get around Jordan. They could never get around some of these teams. Gary Payton the same way. He had that one real good year um, where they went to the finals. They lost to. So, you know, you, you had all of these, you know, components there where these guys were, I mean, they were yeah, loaded. Four man. Hall of Famers. But I'm, you got four Hall of Famers. But I'm telling you, Detroit was so built to beat them because they were so yep. defensively sound um ben wallace was an absolute beast on the on the glass like he caused so many issues for them down low uh, which nobody had really seen happen because of shaq yeah you know what i mean shaq was so dominant and he was able to neutralize that to an extent and they were just such a good you know team and they play team ball. They spread the ball around. And like you I said, mean, defense. Chauncey Billups was nuts. Oh my god, Chauncey Billups was nuts, man. 
I remember Tayshawn Prince, who had just come into the league, and he was just this weird, like, lengthy, tall, like, yeah, he just <laughs> uh, three, three, four, could hit threes from the corner. Rasheed um, Wallace got they traded. They just had the perfect they, combination. They got Rasheed Wallace, oh, that, Rasheed that, that, Wallace that, 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 was so but good, too. The Rip Hamilton was like, now you have a scoring threat. Like, yeah, Billups can score, but you needed a, like, a more pure scorer. And that's what Rip was. And that was the piece. Because they, like you said, they built a good squad. Right. They had all defense, all the, and they were younger mm-hmm. players, and they were beat to build the, uh, beat the Lakers if they had one more key uh, person. And I think Rip was that guy. I mean, it could be argued. But Rip was such a good mid-range player that they yeah. needed. They needed that mid-range guy because they had some guys that could hit some threes, like, you know, Wallace could hit threes. Mm-hmm. Um, Tayshawn could hit him from the corner really well. Um, even Chauncey Billups was a pretty decent three-point shooter. Uh, Rip was just a catch-and-shoot mid-range guy. And they were able to, especially the way the game was played then, uh, the mid-range was yep. still very important. It's not like it is now where the three balls taking over the game, but like that mid-range was real important. So him going there was just that piece. And think about it. It sabotaged Kobe and Shaq from getting that fourth in a row, which Jordan had never gotten yep. four in a row because, you know, he quote-unquote retired yeah. for that year and a half or whatever, two years, and then came back. So he had three and three. So that would have already trumped anything he had ever done was getting right there four in a yep. row. So that's that. And then two, Jordan doesn't want anybody to get six. That's something that he mm-hmm. doesn't want to ha- see happen. Uh you know, he's been vocal in some ways. I mean, in at least in the way that he'll never really give props to guys. I mean, to be honest with you, he didn't really start giving Kobe props until the latter years of Kobe's career when he knew Kobe wasn't getting any more chips. <laughs> in all honesty, when he knew Kobe was getting five and that was it, because, you know, Kobe was there for a few more seasons, but they didn't have the squad to go anywhere. And he knew that he and Kobe got really tight. And then he started really giving Kobe accolades when Kobe died. Yep. So that was, you know, I mean, Jordan went and spoke, spoke for Kobe, which is super weird, man. I know that they were like supposedly like friends and like, but you know, stuff, it's a later friendship. It's it was just, just weird. Like, it's man. not like it, like you would understand Shaq mm-hmm. or, or people that were like with him for a right. long time. Yeah. It, it is just kind of weird. And, and like you said, especially like, what they talked about how Jordan was to people. Like he was really like, didn't want anybody touching any of his records. Like he had to be the best. He was so competitive that he would still. And, and mm-hmm. then after he did it with Kobe, he started, they say that he did it to LeBron, like with uh, the Charlottes in 2010, he was the GM and he traded Tyson Chandler to Dallas who ended up beating <laughs> the Miami heat. Uh, uh, and when LeBron started coming up, you know what I mean? That's when like LeBron could have started his championship ring. Like, However you feel about LeBron is how you feel about him. But that that still, obviously, it seemed as if... Um, and who we traded him for. He traded Tyson Chandler for Eric Dampier, uh, Matt Carroll, and... Uh, uh, I don't even know the last guy. I can't even pronounce the last guy's name. J- just know that they're not... Dampier was a, a, a forever a, a journeyman uh, uh, off the bench center. Forever. That's what he did. That's like... He, would, he was decent. You know, he could get you like 12, maybe 20 minutes a game. Uh, get you some boards, maybe a couple block shots, get you a big man in the middle. Like he was cool for a little bit, but he was there to bang. Tyson was was still, Tyson was still like, he wasn't on his down. He was still in his prime. And it, that Dallas needed that. Like that gave him the muscle. He was a huge turn for for Dallas. And now I could get down the conspiracy road too, where, you know, 
what's fake, what's real, who's sure. paid off. You know, I think guys, I think guys know when they're supposed to, you know, drop the, <laughs> drop the yeah. game. I mean, it, to that point, LeBron had never played that bad. Like that series was probably one of the worst series I've ever seen LeBron play. And it just didn't even make any sense. You know, he would, it went like what a few halves where he didn't even take yeah. a shot or at least a couple shots. It, it was weird. Um, you know, I get that there's some part of that too of me that thinks that, eh, well, you know, he's just paying back the people that pay him. So, you know, I get it. You know, you know, you don't have to go down the, you know, Illuminati rabbit hole with me, but you could even just talk about Vegas yeah. when you're talking about that kind of stuff, you know, where the money, follow the money. Right. But I will say that Chandler going there was a huge turn. I don't think that they could have, beaten the heat because it, it stopped so much what they were trying to do with Chris Bosch yes. down low and LeBron going to the rack because that was a huge part of LeBron's game. He didn't really get um a great mid range to pretty good three point shot until later on. Really till he hit it about his second, third year with Miami is when he really started getting uh to that level, right? Um so his game was really going to the rack and Chandler being there hurt like big time, you know, and, and, and Dirk was no slouch at yeah. the time either. So, you know, Dirk was still, you know, he was going down on his career, but he wasn't, he was still, a. yeah, know, he still had like, I think, cause I still think he far. had like he was still, five, six seasons, seven seasons after that. But mm -hmm. also Tyson was able right. to uh, bang in there with Bosch. Like you said, like he was able to throw Bosch off his mm -hmm. game because Bosch is more lengthy and Tyson Chandler is like about similar height, but finesse. he's finesse, but he's also more strength. You know what I mean? He can bully you down there because he's big. You know what I mean? He's not just, he's oh, not yeah. just tall. He's actually bulky. You know what I mean? He can push you around. And, and yeah, because Bosch is yeah. finesse and he could just push him around. And that's what ended up happening. You know, Bosch didn't really make that turn until the next season, whenever he was able to, you know, figure out his game. You know, he's got a finesse game. He, he did get, he did get a lot, uh, uh, stronger sure. in the last few seasons of Miami because I think he started figuring out what he needed to do but that was a huge turning point and I totally agree with you I think Jordan's the type of chess player he doesn't want anybody touching his legacy and he'll do whatever he'll even you know cut off his own arm <laughs> uh, to not let you get those chips because he doesn't want anybody to have six man. nobody nobody you know and, and Kobe got the closest now I mean obviously we could say you know, guys from the past that had multiple championships more than Jordan. But we're talking about the the current. But he's game, the also game. Jordan undefeated. was a part of what changed the modern. But also, game. he's undefeated. That's right. That's absolutely part of it. Yeah. undefeated in the finals. Yeah, absolutely. Now you know a lot of pundits will push back and say, "Yeah, that dude was getting murdered in the '80s, though, wasn't he?" Now the first sure. round, which is true. He, you know, LeBron got to the finals way before Jordan ever did. Uh, that would be the only pushback that I would say. But you're right. He was six for six. I mean, again, six. that number mm. six uh. popping up. Well, you know, so like that, just to paint a picture of you, that's what we're talking about. He's kind of a jerk. You know, I'm trying to paint a picture. And then there's this other conspiracy out there that he's allegedly Jimmy Butler's father. I don't know if you ever dipped down to that little lane of where uh, <laughs> there was a. Uh, it's weird. Uh yeah, it's really weird. They do kind of look alike, especially with Jimmy doesn't have facial hair. They've showed up some mock-ups of them next to each other, which is weird. Um, that just that little part of it, you know, would make your you know, make you at least think, right? But then there's more to it. 
Yeah, because it was a blog, Therese Owens' uh, sports article. And then this is the quote that, that they posted out. It was on like an Instagram. Uh, this was 2016. Michael Jordan would not claim unwanted child in 1988 in fear of destroying marriage. Child took on mother's name of Butler. It was reported he paid mother off so he would not tra tarnish his public image and legacy and role model figure. After 13 years, mother kicked child out of house because payments stopped. And just so happens, Jimmy Butler was kicked out at 13 and homeless. And like, it, it just, that also fits into that narrative. You know what I mean? And then like, when you go down the whole rabbit hole of, okay, like he was born uh, in 1988. When was Jordan at that time? And it just so happens in December 3rd, 1988, Jordan was playing Dallas. And the next day they had a three game, uh, a three day break off. No games, no practice, nothing. So he could have easily traveled to Houston. Who knows if even uh, Jimmy Butler's mom may have lived in Dallas or been in Dallas because people travel and go and party different, doing different things. And it was so different back in that time, man. You didn't have social media. You didn't have camera phones. You didn't have all that stuff. Those guys were leaving. They were going out the night of, like the night before a game. I remember, you know, just even watching the the last dance documentary where they were talking about Rodman when he came to the team and Rodman pretty much made a deal with management that he was allowed to just leave. Like he could leave and go party for two, three nights, do a bunch of drugs, drink a lot, and then come back. As long as he was performing, which Rodman was one of those freaks in nature that he could perform at a super high level even though he'd been partying for three days straight. Jordan was no different. Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't do drugs and all that stuff, but Jordan gambled a lot. And he loved to go to casinos. He loved to go to bars. Like, that was his thing, right? So Jordan would do the same thing, especially if, like you said, it's a three-day stretch. Oh, man, I'm going to go over here two hours away or whatever before I go back home. You know, these guys are superstars. They're, they, they are what brings in your money brings in the money to your organization. You let these guys do whatever they want. I mean, it's the same now. It's just way more covert because they cannot be out there running around because it'll get out sure. so fast. I mean, just think about some of the guys that it has yeah. happened that go out there and party. I mean, look, James Harden, man. Everybody knows that dude hits every yeah. strip club known to man. I mean, why do they know that? Because there's been so many camera phones pop up. Yeah, because you're know, everywhere now. Private yeah. parties or whatever. It's different now. Yeah, so... It could have it could have happened. I you know, I, I've I've listened to the story about the Jimmy Butler conspiracy. I mean, Jimmy's a great player. You know, the story checks out at least that, you know, his mom kicked him out at that age. And that's a huge part of his story yeah. is like, you know, he was on his own. He was at a young age and then he worked his way all into the NBA and he's always just been that workman type of player, 100%. like gritty, in your face. Blue collar. Uh that's the that's the appeal of a guy like him. Now, he pisses a lot of the players off that he plays with because of that, but that's just his mentality. He had to scrap to get where he was. So, you know, maybe. like I think there's there's at least something to look into because there's cer certain things that kind of add up there, and it would not surprise me that Jordan didn't have several loved children out there. As a matter of fact, there is one that has been announced as his love child. Uh, the guy, I think his name is Taj, and he's from Georgia, and he you know, has come out and said that he's Jordan's love child. It's kind of been confirmed at this point. Um, but at the time, Jordan was the face of the league, and he couldn't be seen with having a love child and, you know. Yeah, with all of his endorsements as well. Torn up his yeah, whole, oh, it sure. killed him.
Especially at that time, things were different. You know what I mean? There, there people would you, you would have right. got your stuff yanked right away. Like, hey man, just for cheating or you know what I mean? You would get your your uh, endorsements. Now it's totally different. different yeah, time, totally. Man. And it's not even that long ago. That's what's trippy. But yeah, I think there <laughs> is it. something to like like you said. They they have a a very good a resemblance. Like if you could go check out some of the pictures, they definitely have a resemblance. And then that. He was in Dallas in 1988 in December. Nine months later, it's September, and that's when Jimmy was born. So maybe, maybe not. I mean, but it definitely is something that is probable, especially like when you're talking about his partying. And and he was known for partying, Mm -hmm. but what he was mainly known for is gambling. Gambling was something he was like, Man, everybody oh, knew yeah. that Jordan gambled. Him and Barkley, and people know Bar- on yeah. everything. They know every single thing. Like, yeah, he would just gamble on anything and everything. And he had to testify in 1992. This is where he gets a little starts getting murky about his career wise of like what really happened. He he had to testify against James Slim Boulder, who was a cocaine dealer, a cocaine dealer, and under police surveillance, he was caught with a check for 57k. That was written out by Michael Jordan. You know, Jordan lied, From Jordan. said it was yeah. a loan, uh, said that, you know, hey, I just let this guy borrow some money. And then un- under oath, he had to admit, yes, I was paying off gambling debts. And the reason why that's significant. And that wasn't even the most no. money that he oh. had owed him at one point. I think it was $1.2 yeah. or $1.3 million that he owed him at one point uh, for gambling. So he gambled with him a lot, which was... You know, you know, well, Jordan and his father yeah. gambled a lot. It wasn't just him. Like it was kind of a family trait. And it was it was significant because in ninety three, uh, game two, Jordan was out gambling until two AM in Atlantic City and the NBA had enough. They were like, Hey man, you know, people seeing you, <laughs> they're now you're becoming a distraction. You're be you're tarnishing the league now, right? People are, are talking. And like you said, it was a different time. So if it got out like that, they were like, oh man, you're, you're doing too much, right? There's not camera phones at every, you're, you're doing too much. And so they opened an investigation on him. They, they, uh, had an investigation, started looking into his gambling. And then all of a sudden, uh, after five months of them looking into it, he goes, ah, you know, I'm going to retire. Two days later, they dropped it. They dropped the whole investigation and they said, we didn't find any thing about him gambling. So he didn't find anything when he testified under oath that he was gambling with other people. And it was well, like it was well known throughout the league that he was a huge gambler, but that's why a lot of people believe that his retirement was a secret suspension. Uh, it was a, it was like, Hey, you go retire for a year or two. And you know what I mean? We'll, we'll tell you when you could come back. And what was prevalent about that is when you see in his press conference, he's talking and he's like, yeah, well, they're like, are you going to ever come back? He's like, ah, if David Stern lets me back. It's like, whoa, that was kind of weird right. to say that. Well, people think that he and Stern behind closed doors with other officials, this was the agreement that they made. They were like, look, we don't want to put you out of the league and we can't have you be a distraction and we want to keep your name intact, but we have to do something here because you're just way too reckless right now, right? It's it's too much is out there. Uh, speaking of that too, the, the flu game. So a lot of people... Remember that iconic game where he had the flu, he dropped all those points, you know, he's, you know, seen being carried off the court. You know, the the funny part is when you start talking to some of these guys that were in the league or at least were announcing around that time, when they talk about it, 
you know, they don't outright say it, but they say it in a way that well, he was hung over. It wasn't the flu yeah. or maybe it was a combination of the two, but they were saying that he was out partying all night and he came in to play and he basically played with the hangover. And that's really what that flu game was. So listen, there's so many things you can backtrack to that showcase what Jordan did because Jordan was a partier big time. He might not have been the drug user and all that, which, you know, is doc well documented that he was, you know, against cocaine and all that, especially when he first got mm-hmm. to the bulls. That's all those guys did was, you know, he, I remember him talking about, he went into a, uh, hotel room and they were all up there i guess gambling partying and using and he just walked right out because he was a competitor and that part that none of us will ever deny yeah he was a elite competitor but there was a deal between him and stern and the other officials that he needed to step away from the game because he had so much heat on him and they couldn't there was no other way that they could get around it and, you know, that's how the charges were dropped, too. I think it was just a deal that was made all the way across the board. Even, you know, it was just a political maneuver. Definitely. Because he was such an icon, and he was an American icon at the time as well. That was the other part, that he transcended celebrity globally. So that would have made America look bad as well. Definitely. It wasn't just... It wasn't just him being the face of NBA basketball. This was he was carrying a lot at the time. He was the most well-known sports star on the planet out of any sport at the time. Yeah, out of any sport, he was the face of like uh, it was like the Michael Jackson of basketball or Michael Jackson of sports. Like when you go somewhere, they knew who, mm-hmm. you knew who Jordan was. Like kids all around the globe knew who Jordan was. And then it, and when you get into his gambling, and then you know a few months prior to his retirement as well his dad was just kind of murdered. Like it was like out of the blue kind of like, you know, when you heard the news, you're just like, yeah, his dad was sleeping in a car and he got, he, they were like, they try to rob him. They, they they were trying to piece it together at first. You know, when we were hearing the news, I just remember being a kid and they were like, yeah, you know, like people were trying to rob him. They think and steal his car and they, they ended up dumping his body, blah, blah, blah. But then when you start digging, you're like, well, it was only in 1992 where you testified against this, this, cocaine dealer right like that it probably has connections he's if he's able to gamble money with you like that if you're able to be in debt with him 1.2 million uh it means that he's probably connected very well with something and that's when the rumors of people go well what really happened like was this a gambling debt you know revenge or was this you know going to the more conspiracy side conspiracy side was this like a sacrifice right like, was this his time? He got his three championships, you know what I mean? And then he had to take his public humiliation sacrifice and losing a, a family member. And I think, like, it was the combination of both. And in my opinion, especially when you start, like, going... Um, I was listening to the Vlad uh, TV interview with uh, Daniel Green, who is the one doing life. Uh, uh, him and Larry Demery are the ones that, uh, you know, were on trial. But when you hear the interview, I listened to the whole interview with Green... And he's like, man, I was never there. He's like, all I did was I helped mm-hmm. dump the body. Like, and I'm not saying right. like, I know the guy, but I'm pretty good. I think at like listening to people and knowing if they're telling the truth and the way that he was telling the story, I felt like I believed him. Like I was like, yeah, I, I, it sounds totally true. And the more you started hearing it, it sounded like weird, right? There's some kind of setup. It's like, what really happened? Like, cause the other guy, Tony, I mean, Tony, uh, Larry, he, he just like, 
was over there and no, he doesn't he was supposed to green was supposed to go with him and then some for some reason he was like with a girl or something like that and then he ended up doing mm-hmm. it and then he's like hey man i got a dead body he didn't even know it was jordan's dad you know and then yeah but even the whole fact that his dad like pulled off on the side of the road randomly to like randomly here's the thing his dad would never need to do that not unless he i guess we're drugs or alcohol maybe in the mix but at the end of the day he had money from his mm-hmm. son like he could have got a hotel somewhere he got a nice hotel wherever he wanted to go it didn't make any sense that part of it didn't mm-hmm. even add up saying that he stopped off because he was tired and he needed to rest and i just again it's a setup whatever went down was something that was calculated and i think that the guys that were involved or got pinned with it may have been involved to a, a small extent sure. but i don't think they were had anything to do with the real reason why he died it wasn't just your normal uh stick him up robbery that had nothing to do with it i agree and then like the, it starts getting weird to me because then the family waited three weeks to file a missing report and that's seven days after weeks. finding the, uh his lexus you know you're like dang man what what, what took mm-hmm. you so long and why did you not worry like I mean, you should at least file it. If the police didn't start looking for him right away, I understand because sometimes they take, but after 48 hours, you know what I mean? Usually 24, if, if, if it's my family member, my, fa- my, my dad or my mom, my brother or somebody that is close to me, if I don't hear with them in 24 hours, I'm going to start looking for them, right? Like, I'm like, dang, man, if I'm used to them, right. like, you know, if I, if I talk to them on a regular basis and something like even you, like if I was like, hey, man, we're about to do this podcast. And then for some reason you don't show up, I'm not going to be like, ah, you know what? Let me give it three weeks. You know what I mean? Hey, we'll see you in three weeks. See if you, if you, maybe you still at Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know. <laughs> I would I would be like, or if like you're like, hey, I'm supposed to come back for Skinwalker Ranch. And, and all of us are going to be like, hey, man, he didn't make it back. If I dis If I disappear... It's because I went off and eloped with Jen Saki. So ah, yeah, I knew know it. Know that if I ever disappear, if I ever disappear, I eloped with her, and we are dining fine in Paris, and we are having the most glorious time as two gingers, as our soulless <laughs> bodies connect mentally and physically over scallops and Saki bomb. Gotta get out Saki bomb. Oh, Saki bomb. But she is the Saki she's bomb. She's your she's Saki so, bomb. She's so pretty. I don't know. She's so she's so pretty, man. I'm so, I'm so sad that she's gone, man. Like I, I miss her a lot. I just, you know, it's not the same anymore. I, I don't she made the White House make sense to me for the first time ever. I know, for the first time ever. She's the only one. Now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh to to make things even weirder, uh, like to me, so we can get into like the real meats and potato of everything. When you're looking into it, like I was like, oh, Larry. So Larry didn't get as much time as Daniel Green, right? He 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 like kind of like pinned it on Daniel, and like Green didn't really know. You know, he was trying to like do the the street codes of like, man, I'm not gonna like you know rattle my homie. Larry's about to get out, yeah. though, isn't he? When is like, he gonna get soon. out? 2023. Three. 23 there of course then right the there dude, it starts off like that's where i was like <laughs> oh man this shit and that was like one of the last pieces i had seen because i was like just looking at you know like trying to find out where these guys were now and i'm like he's gonna get out in 2023 and 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 they talked about let's talk about michael jordan's numerology right let's talk about three six and nine if people don't know nikola tesla was famous for saying if you only knew the magic of three six and nine 
then you would have the keys to the uni- the key to the universe. And you know that was big on him, everything that he had, right? Like that, like and and if you've really studied the three six nine, like it's some people believe like maybe this is some like other form. We don't know like as far as like spiritual or alien, whatever. But it's some kind of power or code of the universe. It seems to me. But like when you break it down, you start off with uh, Michael Jordan. He was six six, with six championships, six six six. Mm-hmm. So right there, you're like, man, that's that's already not seeming so great. But you could be like, ah, you know, that that, that could be just a coincidence, right? Right. Then his number was twenty three. Two divided by three is point six 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 six. Two times three equals six. six. So you'll see a lot of in that his numerology all had the three. Six, nine, the key to the universe. Hey, when he came back for that short amount of time after he retired the first time, his number was 45. Four plus five is nine. So everything's in threes, sixes, and nines. Uh, Everything you follow with him. Uh, His number for the Olympics was nine. (laughs) Turn it upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Right, turn it upside down. You got six. Uh, Yeah, it's crazy. He wore uh, number 12 for one game. And what's one plus two? Three. Three, six, nine. So everything was numerology with everything that he did. Three, six, nine. Uh, that's what I always think of, though, that that uh, the East Side Boys and Lil John. <laughs> Dude, I didn't even think about that until I think two years ago. And I think I heard that song come on. And I was like, it was right there. <laughs> it was right there. <laughs> it was, it's so sick back, back that far, man. And then it, then it started clicking with me too, like Three Six Mafia, and like all of these yeah. rappers were using this symbology, like way before the whole you know quote unquote Illuminati era, Illuminati era of rap, yeah. when everybody got so interested in the Illuminati because of Jay Z and all that. But they were doing this stuff way before. If you start looking, like even in like the late '90s, like to the early 2000s, before really that era happened, man, they were using the same numbers. Definitely. And after and after he wore, uh, you said retirement, 45, you know, nine, uh, four plus five, nine. Mm-hmm. He did that for 22 games. Changed back to 23 on his 33rd game mm-hmm. back. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, you can't even write it up. It's so crazy when you really start breaking it down, man. Um, you know, he played for 15 years, one plus five, six. Uh, you know, tw- 23's the, the ninth prime number. Yeah. <laughs> even even 23 is connected to nine. And then when it even connected to, like we were saying, that that the one dude that was alleged in, in the uh, murder of his father, he's getting out 23. It, it, and then... So wild. He came in the league three times, retired three times. <laughs> Career points per game, 30.12. Three plus two, pl- three plus one plus two equals six. <laughs> Rookie of the year, 1985. One plus nine, plus eight, plus five, 23. The ninth prime number, like you said. <laughs> Ch- champions. It's wild, Championships man. in a pair of three-peats. Like, see, it's like, like you said, it's just sticking out and not not even just the 369 because then he, he has a lot of attachments with the 23 uh and 666 there's a lot of like sixes and and which goes with the 369 but just seeing how his the six is just kind of like you know it throws you off like like i said the first one you're like ah, all right but as you look deeper into it you're like man there's 
there, there's no way this could all just be a coincidence. Like that's a pretty big coincidence. Right. I mean, the only other explanation for outside of it being, you know, manufactured, which I lean towards, uh, you know, you can start talking about being caught in a matrix and, you know, these, these three numbers dictating people's lives that have, you know, some amount of wealth and power. So, you know, you got to look into that too. I know a lot of people would go down that rabbit hole. So I'm just going to throw it out there for them, even though I lean more towards the manufacturing of elitism behind something to, you know, showcase these numbers in any way that they can. I mean, talk about, talk about what we talked about earlier, Sean, about his last game, you know, when he won his sixth championship. And w- was that game six? I can't, that's what I was trying to figure. Game it was six. game six. So six championship game six. He hits the most iconic shot. And NBA Finals history still to this day. And if you go... On Russell. On Russell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he hits that game-winning shot. And if you look at the picture that it was snapped at on the shot clock as he's releasing the ball, 6.6. <laughs> you can't even make it up. And when you start really delving into the numerology of Michael Jordan, those three numbers are going to be prevalent from the beginning all the way to the end. And at some point, you got to say, man, there's something going on here. There's somebody's hand in this. Uh, You can think that it's a, you know, a human hand that's behind it, that's moving it. You can think, you know, we're trapped in some matrix and some loop. Or uh, you could say that there's demonic Mm -hmm. presences that dictate these things once you sell your soul. Um, You know, I think Jordan was bought in from the get-go. But I do think, like you said, when it was time to pay up, he had to pay up. You know, his dad was a sacrifice, you know, especially for him to get yeah. to that next level. You know, Jordan was the was the first billionaire athlete. That was before Tiger was a billionaire athlete, which I just read today. Tiger is a billionaire athlete again. Even after his wife took half of everything, he's back uh-huh. to being a billionaire athlete again. Which we could even go down the rabbit hole with Tiger about how that was a form of what we just talked about with Jordan, where he had to pay his dues, pay the tax, man. I mean, because all his stuff was really weird, how he snapped and people want to talk about MKUltra with him, too, which I think for sure. But yeah, he's right back where he was. He's he's not and lost anything really in the scheme of things. So, you know, there's only three billionaire athletes in the world jordan lebron and tiger and they all seem and jordan was the first they all seem to have like uh these stories and and, and behind them you know like people have said stuff you know even about lebron Uh, and i'm sure the more we dig up during the years of when we start really digging through lebron we'll find some stuff but just to go further like so we can like just push it even more right like so with the numerology Mm -hmm. first years six years his first six years, no championships. Then three championships in a row. Retires after nine years at the age of 30. Won the first of his second three-peat at the age of 33. So he won his sixth championship <laughs> when he turned 33. Like you said, you can't even make this up. And that season was their greatest season before the, the Warriors, you know, like had that uh, spectacular year 
where man don't even get me started with that one man really kind of but man i'm kind of worried about them right now too because uh, uh man boston is no joke man tatum's pff, man tatum don't fuck around man and it's gonna be a, a bad well i've been i've been following the uh rabbit holes with the series too we're talking about the mm-hmm. color games you know people talk about numerology and people talk about geometry but colors are a big are a big thing too and green's being pushed a lot right now so uh i know some of the guys that are really deep on the color game they've been talking about the celtics might win it all especially against a stacked warriors team which would be weird if they did because they're so young um i think they got the juice you know, talent wise uh, i don't know though i don't know i you know my you know who drank the most blood is 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 going to win. Yeah, that's but I thought it was going to be the Warriors for sure. I even <laughs> called it cuz I was like, "Oh, Ukraine colors." I mean, I'm a Warriors fan too, but I was like, "Man, just like like right. you're right, it's probably already changed, you know what I mean? By like they're already on something else. Like you you got to know that the game cuz mm-hmm. even if just like in every day we're not even talking about Ukraine that much, you know. It went Ukraine abortions gun like we're way past it. Like it's way back there on the back burner, so it, right. You might be right, man, and, and and it might be symbolizing. We're on the new shit. It now. might be also symbolizing some, some shit new coming shit. up. You know what I mean? Some new shit. Because mm-hmm. like, remember there was those green converse uh, that they were they're like emphasizing you know, on for sure, and that's basketball shoes. So like, dude, these are the things you do got to pay attention to. But that year when he won his chip, that's seventy two games, right? That at that time that was like unheard of. That was like, wow, man, you guys are above everybody. Seven plus two equals right. nine. Like, you know what I mean? Like that three, six, like you said, I don't know if it was just the universe. Is it uh, some entities? Is it just like selling, you know, some secret society that's like, but either way, it's too much of a coincidence. And he retires at 36. Three plus six equals nine. In the year 1999, flipped upside down, 666. Then he comes back to the league at the age of 39, 3 and 9. You know what I mean? He got both the numbers there. <laughs> then he played for two seasons and he retired in the year 2003-23. Which, if you know anything about Giamatra, you take the mm-hmm. zeros out, they don't count. So, 23, yeah. It's, it's too much of a coincidence with everything with him, especially at the lot of sixes. A lot of sixes. You know, people talk about the Bulls, too. The bull symbol, it being of kind of a, a you know the typical horned entity, which the the bull symbol was weird too because that's kind of it's got blood yeah. on the end of the the horn tips. I don't know if anybody's ever, ever really noticed that, but yeah, uh, that was that was one of the things that people pointed out too. Uh, you know, he only played with the bulls, and he went you know before they were the wizards of the bullets. People like to bring a little connection there too. Uh, I think it's a loose connection, but yeah, I get it. Yeah. You know, it's definitely there. And then, of course, people say, you know, the Wizards, you know, obviously that's an obvious, you know, symbolism right there as far as magic and uh, mysticism. And what offensive won them all his chips? The triangle <laughs> offense, right there. which is crazy because that's the same offense that won Kobe yep. chips. And Kobe was, you know, people recognize Kobe as probably the second best shooting guard behind Michael Jordan. You know, and he he's he had five. Yeah, chips. and and then you know what happened to Kobe, and it seems like that Kobe may have not been playing ball anymore because you. I think that happens too, is that like people are playing ball for a while and kind of playing into everything, and then they kind of just go, you know what, I don't like what's going on here, and they push back. 
And, and what sticks out to me is like a lot of people said, you know how Jordan stuck his tongue out when he would uh, play ball. There was like a snake, right? And then Kobe was mm-hmm. the black mamba, right? Like, yep. so I th- I think there is a correlation. And, and I kind of even think like Jordan could have been like, that could have been part of Jordan's sacrifice. Because I think there's multiple sacrifices. Who knows if he just didn't befriend Kobe so he can have the, him be his next sacrifice. I mean, I know there's the whole rabbit hole of Kobe uh, in the pharmaceutical company, not to mention the the Boulets. And, and is Jordan involved with the Boulets? I mean, it's very possible. I mean, I don't have that connection with us right now, but I mean, with everything we went through, it seems very possible. Right. You know, or you could even think like I do where you know, Kobe's not even dead. Yeah. So there's that too. Yeah, there's always that. <laughs> you know, how... How how bought in is True. he? You know, these guys disappear, they die, and then, you know, they're in an underground bunker somewhere or Island. in Hollow Earth. Like, we always like to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. So, you don't know, because there's so much mystery around his death. You know, even with the helicopter, the way that it you know, crashed, you know, how fast they were able to get out to it. You know, it's just so much to it that just didn't make any sense. Just even his wife and way she was with the kids yeah. afterwards, you know, and they had their, they had their issues, which was well documented, you know, especially with the whole, you know, rape thing that he went through and then she almost left him. Uh, there's a lot going on there and it could be as simple as what you said too. He got out of the league. He made a bunch of money and he was like, I'm done playing ball with you guys. Like I've, I achieved everything I want to achieve. My legacy's intact. Mm-hmm. My legacy's there. You can kill me, but I'll always be Kobe Bryant and I'll always be this. And maybe he went out that way. Maybe that was just him being like, you know what? I'm done with this. And they can throw whatever they want to at me. I achieved at the pinnacle of basketball. You know, I'm one of the greatest players yeah. of all time. And it could, it could be that too. I, I'm open-minded to that. I could see a guy doing something like that. Because he, he was a competitor. Yeah. You know, he was a, he was a lot like Jordan. And he emulated Jordan. And I definitely think that Jordan didn't want Kobe to uh, to to break through. And he did whatever he could to stop Kobe from getting six. But, yeah. You know, and maybe Jordan's got some sort of pact behind the scenes that nobody's getting six. Yeah, that's a, uh, but him, that's what it kind of seems. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. And, like, he's, like, kind of involved in it. Like, especially, like, you were saying, like, he was speaking at his eulogy. Is That's that's weird. Like, like. Real that's like weird, just man. didn't seem right and what was jordan's nickname air jordan right air jordan you, the prince of and the what, air what was that uh bible there was in there a bible quote that like they were saying uh i think there's a bible verse ecclesiastes talks about it prince of the power of the air talks about lucifer so you know there's definitely a correlation with that when you really look at it uh jordan embodied what they needed at the time sports was sports was in the you know 80s was on the rise Mm -hmm. as far as where it was gonna go 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 you know football was big but basketball wasn't not what it is now a global phenomenon and jordan made it accessible especially he made basketball accessible to to youth that didn't have a lot of money was all you needed was a ball to play you didn't have to you know, go play football where you needed a lot of money to play or equipment to play, rather. Uh, basketball was basketball, man. You could go get a rock and you could practice all day. And he made that accessible. And he had the story, too. You know, mm-hmm. he got screwed over when he was younger. 
or he just wasn't good enough. He worked his ass off and he went from like a, you know, alternate or barely making the team to becoming a superstar. And that was a, that was a great story. That's a great story for any kid to emulate and idolize. And he had the outward, uh, personality and he had the outward persona of being a wholesome person. He played into that. You know, now we know him as the biggest trash talker of literally basketball all time. You hear Gary Payton and Reggie Miller and those guys were big time. Even Garnett. And they were like, no, no, no. Even Garnett. (laughs) Yeah. And they'll even tell and they'll even tell you like, hey, nobody was touching Jordan. The only one I heard close was Bird. I heard Bird was pretty bad too. But Bird was more like, hey, you see that fucking spot over there, motherfucker? I'm about to score fucking three times right there. And they'd be like, shut the fuck up. And then he would just do it. Like he he would back that shit he up. He would go do it. But the more too like just to like kind of wrap up a little bit more of the numerology we had like so his initials are MJ, M is the thirteenth letter, J is the tenth letter, thirteen plus ten twenty three. Or you go by his full initials, Michael Jeffrey Jordan M thirteen J ten J ten thirty three. <laughs> like his sidekick wore what number thirty three. His highest scoring game sixty nine. Score, scored on 23 field goals, 23 free throws. It's like, you can't like, it, it just it just keeps more adding up and adding up. He came off the bench 33 times. And then even if you just go into, um, you know, he, he took the throne from Magic and Bird and became the Airness. Like, it's like he, he took over Magic and Birds together, the Magic Tree and the, the soaring through the sky of Bird, even though Bird... That was not what you would think of soaring. When you think of Larry Bird, you don't think of soaring through the sky. <laughs> right. Maybe like a three soaring <laughs> through the sky, but, you know, just the sim- the symbolism about that. And then they even say if you break down uh, the color red, which is pretty much predominantly the color he wore for his whole NBA career, that comes out to 23. And if you ever seen that uh, Jim Carrey movie, 23, you know, like that's another like, that's a pretty interesting movie. And, uh, and who knows? You got to know more about the number 23 because I think that is significant into Jordan's career. That's why six, uh, three, six, nine. He either bought into this. I don't like it. To me, personally, like if I want to get my opinion, what I see it, I see if it adds like a selling of the soul of some sorts. Now, I don't know exactly how you do that. I've never done that. And I don't plan on doing that. But I see it either like doing it and it being connected with secret societies and, 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 I do see his dad being a sacrifice. I do see his whole. And you have to be, you have to be one of two things. You have to either be in a position to where you've made yourself so noticeable that they're going to come to you and, and need you there for control, right? Or you have to show enough value beforehand, and then they'll help you rise to the top. So it's 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 kind of one of the two. I know not all guys are are you know, plants, right? There's guys that are self-made. There's plenty of them, but they do get approached at a certain Mm -hmm. point. Once you have a certain amount of influence, they're going to come to you or if they see value in you, that's, that's the two sides of it. Or unless you're you're one of the 13 families and you're just kind of born into it. Yeah. Then it's just like an easy street right there, man. That's just like, fuck. Yeah. This is whatever I want. My dad owns the bank. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. So, but I don't, wouldn't wish that on any kid. Yeah, man. that's the stuff they got to go through just to get to that point, man. 
I wouldn't even want to. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. It's awful. Yeah, I would. I definitely agree. Yeah. With that shit is awful, but. I think that Jordan, that that is a case with the, uh, like whether, I don't know if it was like, oh, at birth, you know what I mean? I think it's something that maybe he made when he didn't make the high school team. Cause if you think about it, was he not good enough? And then all of a sudden you become this prominent player. Like you went to a prominent school, North Carolina with great players on that team. It's not like he was the only player and he shot like, oh, the, like man. James Worthy was, was on there. I, uh, that's the only one I could think of. There was multiple players at the time that were the top of the country. It's North Carolina, like Duke, you know what I mean? Those are basketball schools. And he succeeded there and then went to the NBA and got his ass kicked for some years by the bad boys and the Celtics and even the Sixers, like for a while. And I think, you know, like everybody, even Atlanta, I think gave him trouble, you know what I mean? With uh, Dominique and, and all that. And then all of a sudden he started succeeding and he succeeded in a way, like you said, like to this day, People are talking about Jordans. People are like, hey, man, I got people that don't even know uh, anything about his basketball days or anything. They have Jordans. You know what I mean? It's become such an iconic thing that you could go. It, that's what it's called. Like you go, hey, man, you got those Jordans that became sneakers. You know what I mean? Like that. That's how iconic it is. Like right. it, it took over. And when you see something like we talk about, guys do come up organically. I'm not saying every NBA player, every musician um, can't make it. But when you see these huge levels, man, like next level shit like you're talking about influence around the whole world you can't think that they're gonna just allow that to happen without trying to intervene in some no. way no i mean you don't have any power over your own life at that point i mean these guys dictate it they control it they control what you do on the court they control what you do on the field i know a lot a lot of guys don't like to hear that because you know sports are fun man sports are fun to watch i enjoy watching sports mm -hmm. but i'll be honest with you i'd say in the past you know eight to ten years i got to the point now when i watch sports i look at it like i watch wwe wrestling yeah like i know there's a level of of fakery to it <laughs> that is it's there i enjoy it because i enjoy athletics and i'd like to believe that it's real but you know and i don't think everybody's involved sure. let's go ahead and put that right out there not everybody is bought in by any stretch but if you look at the modern football game and see how it's played it's it's a pass heavy game now there's not a lot of running anymore so it's very easy when you have these top level high paid quarterbacks what do you tell them to do well i need you to throw this game i need you to mm -hmm. do this you know it's kind of like patrick mahomes last year when they played the Bengals. you know at the end he's bringing them down the field all of a sudden he just makes some of the worst decisions of his life. It's it's not really he had guys wide open too. I've seen the I've seen the footage several times. I watched the game. Yeah, I know. So it's it's tough for me sometimes to really get into sports, at least high level sports, because I know there's some sort of, you know, fraud going on there. And it's just like WWE. People ask me why I love watching WWE. Cause I at least they admit that as fake. Yeah. Like at least I go into it and they're like, "Well, this is fake, and we're a bunch of athletes doing cool stuff." Well, hey, I'm down with that. Cool. Uh, you know, we watch the NBA. NBA is even easier to manipulate. Yeah. I mean, think about all the all the uh, officials yeah, Donaghy, that have gotten oh. caught throwing game. Oh my God, Donnie! Yeah. All that stuff that went down with him, and then how many athletes are involved? You know, you know, it's these like major games where you see these athletes crumble. And I'm not saying guys can't crumble under sure. pressure. It can happen, but not not to that level. When you see a guy just dominating for a whole year 
and then he crumbles. And I know LeBron's always had detractors, so people love it when he crumbles, and they're all like, see, 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 he's not... Guys, you gotta understand something, LeBron, I think he was bought in long, long before he really got going in high school. Like, the guy was a, uh, a freak of nature, uh, especially at a young age. They spotted him out, they knew. I mean, this kid was driving, you know, what was it, uh, Escalade in high school because he wasn't gonna go to college. Like, it was pretty much known. He already had an agent, and it was cool. He could take whatever yep. money he wanted because he wasn't gonna go to college. I mean, the guy, you know, he was throwing up, you know, they called it the, the yeah. rock symbol, but he was throwing up, the, you know, throwing up the diamond, throwing up the triangle everywhere he went. We're talking about before he even got in the league. So, you know, you look at his, his confidants, his people, his best friends, like Maverick, who are huge into the entertainment side. They've got their hands into everything. And he came up with this crew. So then you start wondering, like, okay, like, who who's manipulated in the crew? Mm-hmm. Because he was one of the few guys that came with his guys and said, no, I got my guys. And everybody looked at it like he was crazy. He's like, oh, you can't do that with your yeah. friends. But he did. He built something special with his friends, which is unheard of. So you start wondering, like, what's really going on there? What's the dynamic, really? Because a lot of these guys are NK Ultra are brought up in a system that they got handlers. So are your friends your handlers? Just like Will Smith and Jada, people think Jada's his handler. So you've got these type of things that come along, and a lot of these athletes are MK Ultra. You can just click a switch on, do whatever you need them to do. They might not even remember having to. But I'll game. say this, like to go back <laughs> to like we're talking about sports. I'm going to steal uh, Eddie Bravos. I've said this for a long time, and I, I like what Eddie uh, Eddie Bravo said this on Tiffle Hat uh, a few months back. He said, you know, people go, well, why do you like sports, man? You know all this shit, uh, uh, you know, like that's going on. He goes, I'm knee deep in this shit every fucking day. I need a distraction. Yeah, I know it's a distraction. I need that. I'm knee deep. We're knee deep in this shit, bro. Like, we need a little right. break. You know what I mean? I, I we it is what it is. So it, it's a release. It's like for me, what I've told people like over the years, it's just become like a like a family bond. You know, you got like my close friends, my family. Yeah. We go see the games. We go see Michigan games, regardless of the outcome. But I'm not attached to it emotionally. As far as they, I'm happy if they win because because all of us are going to be happy. It's going to be a great day. But if they uh-huh. lose, I'm still happy because regardless, I had a right. good day. And I think that's the problem. I think that's what we're, we try to get to people. Is if you're mad that your favorite team, whether you think conspiracy, not conspiracy, just say everything straight up. If you're getting mad because your team lost and you got some problems, man, you need to, if you're going home yelling at your wife or mad at your friends or or anybody uh, because your team didn't win that day, then you got bigger issues than just worrying about that because that's, you shouldn't be so emotionally invested. And that's what we talk about in general, even with the news, you know, and that's why people act like this wokey woke. And, and all the bullshit that's going on because they're so emotionally invested in it. Back up. Right. Go enjoy your life, man. It's not the end of the world if fucking uh, you're LeBron or the Warriors. Like, if the Warriors lose, I'm not going to be de- devastated. If Michigan doesn't win, I'm not going to be devastated because they didn't win. You know, they lost to Georgia, man. That was And it was like, damn, but we kind of knew, like, that was that's a whole different thing. But don't matter. Don't, don't be invested in these things, man. Enjoy them for what they are. Entertainment unplug don't fall into it and be like oh now this movie everything in this movie i'm gonna dress like no man it's just a form of entertainment and if you're able to decode it and you could kind of see the bullshit and it doesn't affect you then you know just watch it if it does affect you turn it off you know what i mean if it gives you a negative aspect then turn it off don't listen to it 
Everybody's different. Everybody's different. I mean, I I still get a little worked up with sports, and it's only because I got a group of friends that'll just give it to me. <laughs> so like, I get a little I get a little emotional on that end sometimes. Uh, I've got a lot better over the years, man. I think the more I started realizing like how everything is controlled from the top to the bottom, I think you can start looking at it a little differently. And like you said, just enjoy it for what it is. And again, there's always that part where I don't give them ultimate control that they're just controlling yeah. everything, right? So they're not controlling every player. What if a player goes off the rails and wins a game they weren't supposed to win? I think that happens too. I think it's when Vegas like really tanks, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of weird stuff that happens. Like there, Some of that's part of it too, man. Because there are athletes that I think that are spiritual, that are on the right side of things, and I think that God gives them the ability to overcome Whatever's set up. So you got to throw that in the mix too, man. So then you can enjoy that part of it as well, man. People get so bogged down with how everything is controlled that they don't understand the real person in control. And when you realize that, man, look, they don't always win. They really, and in the end, they won't win, but they're not always winning. That's why there's, that's why they always have to change up their plans, why they always have to keep maneuvering, why they have to have 80 million intricate plans going at once, because they don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work. At the end of the day, they don't have the true power. And I think once you realize that, you can take control of your own life and understand that God's here and he gives you power. And when you have that power, you can manifest things, man. You don't have to sit here and and, and be just down and depressed all the time. You don't have to be about anything. Yeah, about anything at all. And the reason one of the things I always enjoyed about football and I would tell people over the years the reason why it was a game is you have to see the metaphor of it. And it it's not necessarily that they intended to me to see that, but God made me see the metaphor. The metaphor is every yard matters, man. You know, you have these, these certain, you're not done, man. You're not done until you're done, you know? And like you said, uh, I think that games at certain times, like there's a handful of players that are involved in, you know, like that are in these, you know, whether it's selling their soul or, or being part of this, I think that, there's moments where they're like, okay, yeah, do it. But then there's moments you can't do anything about it because you like, mm-hmm. it's not only weird. I mean, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. First of all, they robbed the Raiders. Don't even get me started on that. The same uh, season of nine 11. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Right. Like that's we'll yeah. Like, but like everything had to go accordingly. Like you said, like there is times when someone throws a fucking wrench in the plan and it fucks it all up because God is is like, oh, yo, you thought you were winning. I think that's what God does, in my opinion. Like He goes, oh, I, you thought you were winning? Oh, my bad. I was just letting you play for a little bit. Let me start playing. Like that kind of thing, you know? And, right. Oh, I totally agree. But with, with Jordan, I got to say, man, I got to put it. I think I, I don't think he's on the good team. <laughs> no, I don't think he is at all. And I think there is way more about his past that we don't know about that led up to where he's at now. And I'd love to know about people's past. LeBron's, not what the media is telling you is their past. I want to know really what their past was. I think when you start, when we could really know that, I think we would be just blown away. Absolutely shocked and blown away. And maybe I'll get into that on the uh, Nephilim podcast that we got coming up because I can I can tie that into sports too. Definitely, man. Well, I think uh, we killed it, man. I think uh, we got some information that people can go research yourself. I'll have some stuff posted up, uh, you know, on the Instagram Operation Kill the Mockingbirds. 
uh probably we have a collab you know you can see it or on van underscore tesla underscore uh i'm gonna definitely post that picture with the 6.6 .6 so people could uh check that out for themselves like it's not just some like out the you know what i mean it's really a picture like it, these are right. like things you can look up you can go look up all the statistics <laughs> we we're talking about and add it up yourself uh and i would be interested uh, if anybody uh has any like feedback like you do gematria uh, you know you might have some more insight that we you know that we missed so definitely would love to get some feedback from everybody because we need that I, i'm gonna tell you the only feedback that i'm waiting on is Jen Saki's feedback because I feel like I really killed it and I, I hope she heard it because I think it's going to give me just a little bit more of that shot. You know what I mean? I, the door's already cracked for me. I feel like I'm going to get the whole foot in this time. You're just waiting for that follow back. You, you want your circle I'm back to follow back. <laughs> to follow back. <laughs> so, you know, you can catch us every monday we drop a new episode on spotify uh apple and then also podcasting 2.0 like check out a podcasting 2.0 app today you know what overcast is the one i use personally but any pl uh, podcast platform you're gonna see kill the mockingbirds every monday 6 a.m new episodes uh you can follow us at van underscore tesla underscore that's for tiktok and instagram or you can follow at operation kill the mockingbirds on instagram and uh, we've got a little bit of feedback from some listeners. Uh, jump in that email, killthemockingbirds at gmail.com. Or like I said, give us some feedback on Instagram. Uh, a lot of people are just finding out that the, the page got nuked. But don't worry, we're still going strong and hard. And we're not ending there, man. Nah, man, we're not stopping at all. We're going to keep going. And uh, Jen, I love you. And I'll try to call you later. Yeah, he'll definitely call you. He's going to be uh, Woked Summer on you. Don't forget, you can check out Woke Summer. That's Van Tesla. That's uh, Joel Thomas and Juan Duke featuring Sean Chris. Woke Summer. Get everything cracking off. And during Pride Month, you know, go to one of these protests, you know, bump it. Like, if you really want to uh, step your game up in your agitation of what's going on, you definitely have to bump woke summer at one of these woke protests you won't regret it i promise you that it will be your song of the summer for sure you won't regret it i promise you you'll have a lot of fun and i'm sure everyone there will love it too they'll love yeah they, they won't even know that then they'll go wait what are they saying and then you know you can check out all of our music uh either van tesla uh or joel thomas Juan Duke or Sean Chris on every platform you can think of YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Tidal. Uh, I don't have sound. I probably have some SoundCloud stuff floating out there somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> you could definitely find us. Right. Go to those main platforms. We got some more music coming out. Joel got some new music coming out. I'm working on an album. Uh, plus, look out for a uh, uh, League of what is it? League of Legends. Legions of Legends. My bad. See, I already fucked it up, man. I'm sand tripling it up right there. <laughs> <laughs> but look out for the all the new documentaries and go check out Dogman for sure. Uh, it's a definite watch. It's something that like you enjoy, man. It's not only is it just like some crazy shit happens, but just the whole uh, cinem cinematography and how it was put together. The it's it's really done well. Absolutely, it's it's done great, and this next one's gonna be next level. Well, you know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Yow. Six.
credit card bill. 